Hi friends, it's me, Mikey Carl, here with a special bonus episode for our debut season of 180 Grams. It's about something we glossed over in the final episode because no one from the band was there, but something we didn't want to leave out. And the Grammy goes to... It's late in Melbourne City on an unusually warm Wednesday night, November 20, 2019. That's in part thanks to the northeasterly wind coming down from the deserts above Victoria. We join the Teskies assistant manager Al Parkinson and manager Jeremy Furs in a car making their way from the recital centre south of the CBD, weaving through the traffic around midnight. Jez and I were in a cab after the Music Victoria Awards where they had won four awards. The band were in Brisbane, they'd played a show that night, so they'd missed the ceremony, catching a cab to the after party with their awards in my bag. And he was like, oh, Glassnode's publicist is calling me. And I was like, does Lauren ever call you? He was like, yeah, Lauren never calls me. And I was like, Jazz, you should call her back. And then he called her back and he was like, I just heard this, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what's wrong? There's a Grammy nomination for the Teskey Brothers. And then he just turns to me, he's like, Sam's been nom- nominated for a Grammy. And I just sort of held the phone for a minute to digest that and got on the phone to the guys and told them. And Oh my God. And the night just went from like, yeah, we'll go have a few drinks to like, okay, this is going to be a big time, you know. Big time indeed. They've been nominated for a bloody Grammy. We really glossed over this in the final episode. At the same time, the Grammy nominations have been announced. Sam, Paul Butler and Joe Cara are in the mix for Best Engineered Album. Congrats, gentlemen. See? It gets a mention. Adding this story into episode 6 would have stretched it out beyond an hour. It felt fitting for the series to go out on the high of the ARIA Awards and that standing ovation. Anyway... Let's get to the Grammys. Sunday, 26th of January, 2020. Out a little west of downtown Los Angeles. The band couldn't make it. They're on tour. Traveling from playing a 1500 capacity show in Manchester to another mahusive headline gig in Glasgow. But mastering engineer Joe Cara, producer Paul Butler, and Jeremy Furs, the band manager, take up the chance. For the next 20 or so minutes, enjoy the story of Jez, Paul, and Joe at the Grammys as nominees. Starting with Jess. Uh, the Grammys is the most incredible production I will ever see in my life. The show they pulled together at the Staples Centre is just insane. I thought it was it was quite incredible that the Teskey Brothers were, I guess, a part of it, even though the guys were on tour in Europe and I went and represented them, along with Paul Butler and Joe Cara. UK producer and series favourite Paul Butler noticed the nomination but didn't clock it as a Grammy nomination. And then I saw something again about an engineering thing and I just thought, wow, they're just just, just throwing awards at them in Australia. So, you know, obviously I'm not Australian and I don't have any part of that whatsoever. <laughs> and then someone said, no, that's a Grammy nomination for engineering. So which is, that's insane. Same thing happens with Joe Cara. He gets an email about it from Jez but doesn't realise it's for him. 
that's just something I guess an Aussie engineer you'd never really you know hang out for that and you don't work for that stuff really but I got an email from Jeremy from management going um congratulations you know album been nominated for an aria I mean for for a Grammy me being a goose I emailed them straight back going that's awesome guys congratulations I'm really happy to have been part of it all the best and then Sam and Jeremy hop on email and email me back and go no you goose you personally have been nominated and I was like what no I didn't quite get it a bit bewildered the crystal mastering mixer gets on the Grammys labyrinthine website to hunt down the engineering category and then I saw my name up with Sam and Paul's and I'm like, okay, now I get it. But it, I think it took me 24 hours to really understand what the nomination was about. I, you know, I said, not used to running in those circles, gentlemen. I wasn't going to even go because I had lots of work commitments and family commitments, but I had so many colleagues beat me over the head and say, you're mad, but you've got to go. Um, and there was one particular lady I was speaking to that, that was Fiona, I spoke to Fiona Boys. She's a good client of mine and she's been nominated for lots of stuff and she just kind of, you know, said, no, frock up and take take your wife and just live it up. And I'm like, okay, all right. So I booked some tickets and we went over and the whole week was like watching someone else. <laughs> it was an out-of-body experience. They um, treat the nominees like absolute royalty. Um, yeah, I, I didn't expect any of it. I just went over to think that I was going to sit in the theatre and just, you know, hear my name being called out. But it was so it was so much more going to collect my tickets. You know, at, at the centre there. You know, you know they was a very warm welcome and they congratulated you they all came out and you know there was a bit of a hug and good on you and because there was lots of people there to get their tickets but they were like little proxies and people from labels getting on, on behalf of stars and so forth so I rocked up being a nominee getting my own one and it was like you know that that's just what I was doing so they were kind of you know startled that someone actually came to get their own thing and I'm like oh, I'm from Australia and they're like freaked out oh man that's so amazing you came all the way and, the, and they made a big deal of it all and it was great and then there was a reception just for the nominees. So they decked out some big hotel. It was very fancy, very suave. They had wonderful music playing all night. And they gave you your little medals. And um, well, they were quite big medals, actually. And yeah, very special, almost more special than the Grammys because it was all the nominees were there and people were just walking up to each other going, why'd you get nominated for a man? That's great. Can we have a photo? People you didn't even know. It was, it was a very warm evening. It's a real celebration of music. It's more than just an awards ceremony that there's a celebration of Latino, Indigenous, jazz, classical, opera, pop. Everything happens during that day. And you get all these performances happening in between awards being given out. It was like a concert. I mean, I was watching Chick Corea, who's my hero, and I was just like, oh, Chick Corea, man. I was like, I'm happy, man. That's, that's all I need to see. The three haven't managed to meet up. Everyone's seated and their category comes up. I didn't know whether Joe and Paul were in the room because I hadn't managed to find them. The award came up. Best Engineered Album, Non-Classical. And so there was me wondering who was going to get up and accept if they actually did win. And you even have to record your name before the Grammys. They send you this little app where they say, can you record how we say your name? I'm like, well, it's pretty straightforward, but I'll record it. And they, they said it perfectly. And Their name gets read out as the nominee. 
along with Billie Eilish and several other massive artists. Oh, I have a, I have an audio snippet I just realised from the Grammys. Is that good? That's the moment where they say, Joe Cara, and the Grammy goes to all that kind of stuff and your heart rate goes up. David Paul Butler, Joe Cara, and Sam Teske. Tom Elmhurst. Getting just the nomination, and that's, re- I know it's very cliche, but that makes you happy enough. And just being there, but you do for 10 seconds, you do actually believe in yourself. When they're reading out the names, you're like, it could happen. And my wife's going, it could happen. You know, and I'm like, yeah, it could. And then they say, and the Grammy goes to John Greenham. Billy Eilish, and you go, all right, right, it didn't happen. And you just clap and you smile and you go, all right, okay, let's get that over with, done. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And yes, Billy Eilish crew wiped everyone out, assumed I'd thank a few people if that did come to that but I honestly had no expectations and my son my 14 year old son sent me straight before I even went he just said dad have you seen who else is nominated in your category and he said yeah there's this act called Billie Eilish he said so sorry dad and then the one percent happens at night everyone gets ushered out of the Microsoft Center you you get in a limo that takes you 200 meters down the road literally LA is in lockdown so there's just all these limos driving around Arriving outside the venue, Paul's getting a strange vibe. Definitely not a normal day in LA. I did go to probably the weirdest Grammys in history out of all of the Grammys. It was bizarre, so bizarre. I got there and the basketball legend Kobe Bryant had died that morning in a helicopter accident. There was like thousands of people outside the Staples Center all in a state of mourning with these like static pictures of Kobe on all of the the screens outside it was quite a scene and and a very you know heavy energy uh there was there was a protest over over the road the other side of the road there was like lots of police there was lots of like helicopters just like static in the air it was foggy which is weird (laughs) once again you know I thought you were just going to be you know, shown the back door and your nominees enter here, but they drove you with a limo to the red carpet where the stars were getting off. You know, I nearly tripped over Shania Twain. You know, I was I was just so uh, kind of starstruck and all. And then the Grammys themselves were ridiculous. I was in awe of not only the performances, but the production being a geek. I, I couldn't believe the production value of this live show. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. It was like watching an MTV clip unfold before your eyes, done in real time. Tyler, the creator, his performance was something I'd never experienced before. Sets going on fire. It was done in like 3D perspective and he walked back down the road and then fell off the end of the road of the stage and people singing out of these houses that were like on fire. And it was really spectacular really revolving sets where people were going into one room and going to the next room and they're just i couldn't believe it and then it, it was all reset by the time the commercial came and i kept saying to my wife they're not going to get this done in time i'd be reveling in the fact that they were going to get caught with their pants down and, and have the stage half set and then so this announcer would go 30 seconds and the stage was still full of chaos and then, and then he'd call 20 seconds and there'd still be absolute chaos. 10 seconds. And then between 10 and 5 seconds, stuff would start to happen. 
pianos would lift into the ceiling, things would drop. Everything happened in the last 10 seconds. And then he'd just casually say, and clapping. And everyone would just start <laughs> clapping. And it went from chaos to perfection. And Alicia Keys would just stand there. And I'm like, how did they do that? Like with three seconds left, there was still stuff on the stage. And it was just brilliant. The production values were just fantastic. Yeah. You can't eat or drink when you're in the ceremony itself towards the, you know, the latter part of it. So you just sit there and, and you, you don't get to sit with your friends. You just get given a seat. I just sat there and just witnessed the whole spectacle of, of that world. It's the big machine. It's a very, very big machine that, uh, you know, it obviously helps big labels push big artists. So it's pretty cool just to get in there and have a look at it and just see how, what a, what a, an, an enormous, you know, enterprise that whole thing is. You know, it's a little daunting. You, you watch someone like Alicia Keys who was doing the hosting. I mean, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I don't know anyone that could do that. You know, there's so much pressure. It's just a, a, it's such a huge stage. Then there's the big after party at the end, and that's when they fill you up with booze and food, and and that was that's just it was a bizarre party, bizarre. So everyone gets herded out like cattle. You've got to walk then from the Staples Centre to the LA Convention Centre, once again just across the road, and then we entered into this massive convention-sized centre room, all very red, and it was like a jazz club, a massive jazz club. Once again beautiful music being played it's like a movie set it was just gorgeous and lots of tents and flowing drapery and all this kind of stuff and they set it up like you wouldn't believe and i thought this is fantastic that's it that's just get a couch and sit down and enjoy and we met up with some people there we made some friends with some other colleagues there my wife disappears for about 10 minutes she comes back and says you realise down the hall there's another room twice as big as this and we're like, get out. And she's like, yeah, let's go. She goes, I've just watched Gloria gain or do I will survive. True to her word, it was there. It was a massive convention-sized centre room. Again, decked down in a different theme. Like, there were parties within parties. So this one was like some Arabian Nights theme where people walking around in costume, posing, dancing. It was like Cirque du Soleil. There were people swinging from the ceiling um, in those big ribbons and it's like a circus very bizarre la party so to speak you know yeah it was a huge day and pretty you know buggered by the end of it but it was very rewarding and very nice and yeah Hi, I'm Courtney. I'm the producer of 180 Grams. And when we spoke to Joe, we were sitting in his mixing studio in Melbourne. Me, Joe and Mikey. And Joe's telling us about the Grammys and it's incredible. It really is. So as he's telling the story, I notice something's missing. I look over at Mikey and he's on the edge of his seat waiting to ask Joe a question. We're thinking the same thing. 
how does this humble band from Warrandyte in 2019, the vinyl still warm from the album's pressing, what had to happen for them to get a Grammy nomination for engineering? So we asked Joe. That's a great question and one that I had at, from the very get-go. My The little cogs in my head, and there's not many of them, were ticking around and I'm like, how did this get on the radar? How did an Aussie band even make it to the Grammys? Considering it wasn't even the band or the music, it was the technical aspect. I was like, and I didn't know at all up until the day after the Grammys. I had a coffee with the, the Teskies manager, Jeremy, who I know well through this project and others. And we ended up having a face-to-face because um, this is going to be crazy if we don't meet up and we're both in LA. So because we didn't meet up at the Grammys, we didn't even meet up at the after party. All of our phones went flat because we're so busy taking selfies of ourselves with P. Diddy and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, so the next day we kind of called each other and said, hey, let's have a coffee. So we did that. And I asked him that same question. I said, so how did we end up here? And he kind of said, well, the process is peers have to nominate you, right? So peers have to be interested in the project and they get lots of nominations. After you got nominated, they really liked the fact that, and I think this was just part of it, but he said they liked the story. He said they liked the fact that it was a very analog approach. There was a lot of digital projects being nominated. For instance, Billie Eilish was famously a DIY project, which you have to take that with a grain of salt because there was lots of technology and resources involved in that. But it was very and proudly digital, so to speak. And they liked the contrasting flavour that it was in Australia, he was tracked to tape, an analog desk and an analog outboard essentially an analog recording studio was used with tape, which is kind of getting really seldom now. People might be using it for a a flavor or a plug-in simulator, but to actually use it as the main multi-track is getting quite rare. The fact that it was then shipped over with Paul in the States, he then mixed it all analog and I mastered it all analog. Apparently people at the Grammys there were like, man, we really love the sound of the album, but we love the fact that it was being done in a very traditional style. And I think it was a point of difference where there were so many modern bass productions. They're like, this is really traditional. We love it. We have to salute it. And that's what we got in the mix. So I was on the other side of Joe's Thornbury studio without a mic, but at this point I still had to ask, how did the Grammys catch wind of the record? I think there was someone involved with the distributorship or the label overseas, because this is being, it's all over the world, this album now. So I think someone overseas, enough, David, oh, I feel like saying David Glass. Daniel Glass. Daniel Glass. So I think they listened when he said, you know, you should check this album out. Bingo. Throw to Daniel. I remember telling Tom Elmhurst, who's one of the great engineer mixers, you know, he, he does Bruce Springsteen, Adele, good friend of ours. I remember being in a venue with him and saying, you got to hear this record. Cause, and Tom, by the way, was nominated and, and competed with them. The sound of the record and the integrity of the record deserved to be nominated. All we did is send it to a lot of people. We sent links out. We sent out very low key, no hype. And we sent out a lot of CDs to people who are audiophiles, people who do mastering, mixing, producing, other record companies, competitors, peers, 
And I got notes from many of them. So we didn't, we didn't bank on it. We didn't, we weren't saying, oh, we're going to get nominated. But, uh, I was not shocked. And I think in their career, they're going to get nominated for many more Grammys. They, they belong there and, and they will be there. I'm, I'm, I, I, I know they will. I actually emailed him after it all and I said, I just found out you were the person who kind of brought this on the radar at the Grammys. And he said, yep. He goes, you should be really proud, man. And he's like, I said, I am. And he goes, well, it's fantastic. I can't wait to hear the next one. And sent me a really warm message. And so, yeah, it was him. And I only found out when it was all over. <laughs> you know, I really didn't know the machinations of it all and how it worked. And I, it's still, I think that's a very general description, but that's part of the story of how it all worked. And I'm very, very happy that that happened. I got... You know, I got nominated for in the best engineer and and production nomination this year. So, thanks, Teskey Brothers. It's very cool to have that. Who's to argue, Mr. Butler? As far as we can tell, Sam Teskey and Joe, along with the Teskey Brothers, are the only Australians to have been nominated for best engineered album, non-classical, in any year of the Grammy Awards. Out of sight, guys. Much like the ceremony. It's such an immense celebration of music and so many genres and professionals uh, acknowledged at that awards ceremony. So I think it's a really important part of music and I think they, they do it so, so well that on one hand it did feel like I was a little bit stepped into an alternate reality, but on the other hand it's like, well, no, this is, this is the quality of what the Teskey brothers are doing and I feel like they should be a part of this and, and I think no one at that at event or anywhere in the world would dispute the fact that the Teskey brothers are worthy of a Grammy nomination. There you go. Nice bonus episode here on 180 Grams with me, Mikey Carl. While we interviewed Joe in his studio, he brought out a box, thick blue cardboard, well made and a bit bigger than your palm. Fun fact. Everyone that's nominated for a Grammy gets one of these little boxes. Oh, so my wife was jealous because this came in a Tiffany & Co box and she's like, I don't even have a Tiffany & Co. She's like, so that's unboxing there. And then this big Olympic medal. It's quite heavy, isn't it? That was very special, actually. It's really special getting that. This bonus episode is hosted by me. The producer and editor is Courtney Carthy. Thanks to Joe, Paul, Jeremy, Al, and Daniel, who you heard. 180 Grams is a production from the Mushroom Group. Our executive producer is Matt Gidinski. Music in this episode is supplied by the Teskey Brothers. You may have heard of them. More information in the show notes, links to articles, and how to get in touch. Be well. Mm-hmm.